hold on. Starbucks sizes. <laughs> I just got to know because they're stupid. Tall. That's why. It's called a tall. And it's still 12 ounces. That's a lot mm-hmm. of coffee. Yeah, with, with, with espresso. Okay. It's a lot of sugar, too. Oh, they have too. a short. Oh, they have a short, too. Wait a minute. Oh, my God. Uh, it had so, to be the short. They have a short, tall, grande, venti, and trenta. So 20 and 30 Never got the trenta. Two. Never I mean, got the trenta. You, you, you really need your coffee in the morning if you're getting a 30-ounce coffee. Like, that's a lot with of coffee. With six extra you know, shots of espresso. Yeah, exactly, because how are you going to... I mean, 90% of that sugar... So what is that? It's like six, eight, twelve shots of espresso. That's too much. Uh, like, oh, you if you're if you're without coffee for a whole day, your head explodes. Welcome to Mintcast, the podcast by the Linux Mint community for all users of Linux. Very overworked, but I'm Joe. And just done baking lots of projects, I'm Leo. And this is episode 368.5, recorded on Sunday, the 22nd, wait, yeah, 22nd (laughs) of August. I have written in the notes, 22nd of August. (laughs) Whoops. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. If you see something you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit, chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at Mintcast.org. In our innards section, pies, pies, and more pies. And finally, the feedback and a couple of suggestions. All right, Joe, you've been pieing it up. What, uh, I, I see noobs at the top of this, so you're going... I mean, you're you're doing the default install. Well, well sort of. Um, I wanted to test out the state of multi-booting with Pi. So I had tried out a couple of uh, different things. I really, really wanted um, to expand my repertoire here and hit up Pixie Boot, but I just mm. could not make it work. I was beating my head against it. So I, was, uh, it, was it the Pi that wasn't? Picking an IP up, or was it the DHCP server okay. not not serving up Pixie no. boots correctly? Pix- but, Pixie IP addresses. I, I set up the uh, iSCSI target right on, on my home machine, and I and I got that all set up, and it looked like it was working. And I, I even um, was able to go in and check the logs of that and verify that the uh, the Pi was connecting to it because the name of the um, uh, in, initiator came up in in the uh, in the logs. So right. it says it's connected on that end, but then when the Pi does that, it says I uh, can't find anything there. It's not oh. connected. It, I can't remember the exact error, but it says that it that um, there's no target. So despite the fact that the handshake happened and, and it's obviously there, it's not able to actually connect. Hmm. So, so did you give NFS a try? Um, NFS network file share, uh, for pixie booting. No, I, mm. I didn't know that there was a way to do that. I thought it had to be over iSCSI. Everything I read said iSCSI, iSCSI, iSCSI. Mm, I, I haven't really played with it a whole lot. Um, I remember using fog project at the time to, to get all that done. That I think is probably a good way to go about it. Um, cause they, I mean, they've got everything built in that you would need to do imaging and pixie booting and all of that kind of stuff. 
Uh, so it might be worth a look. I mean, it, I'm sure it would work for pies as well. It's just images. So, um, but anyway, yeah, uh, as far as I remember, it was NFS. I think. Oh, okay. Well, if maybe? it works over NFS, that'd be a lot easier. But well, what, um, whatever it was, my, my Pixie booting server had all the, the, the stuff on that same server. So I didn't actually, I, maybe I didn't even need a, uh, a network share of any kind. I just hosted it all locally. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Well, if you had it all like sitting on the same machine, then yeah, that's one thing. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, you'll have to walk me through how you set it up later. Yeah. But um, yeah, Noobs offers the option to install to to an external drive now, but supposedly it doesn't work the way that I thought it would. But when I pulled the drive after setting up with, uh, like when I pulled the external drive after setting up with Noobs, I could see the different root file systems on that. So maybe it does work the way that I thought it should. So th uh, this multi-boot, um, has a lot to do with um, booting from SSD is one of the things that I wanted. I, um, now, I worked with a couple of different Pis throughout all of this, including the Pi Zero, just to try things out. Um, <clears throat> now, <clears throat> there was, uh, um, I used Noobs and I also used Berry Boot. Now, with Noobs, I got a lot more options for multi-boot and the option to use one of the external drives was there. And that's what I did. I uh, picked a couple of different OSs to install and test just to see how well it would work. And then later on, I did more with the 4, and I'm going to compare with that. Um, the first test with the Pi Zero was the Noobs, used an older external spinning rust drive. Uh, I, I wanted to see the differences in using the older drive versus using an SSD. Well, um, quickly the older drive died during the update stage. So I didn't get a good amount of testing out of that. Um, it, but I will say that when I was doing the install process and the started the update process before it died, the bottleneck was really the processor. It was pegged out at 100% the whole time. I really don't think I was maxing out that USB to the uh, external drive. And then, but the, the drive started clicking and clicking and clicking. And then the whole install process slowed down to like nothing. And it just sat there. Um, after that, I switched over to the SSD and installed the same OSs. And that was a uh, Libralec recall box and Raspbian 32 bit. And <clears throat> because on, um, noobs for some reason, well, okay, it was the Pi Zero anyway, so all you could get was the 32-bit. And I also installed one of the Arch variances. It worked and was a little bit faster, but the issue for that did turn out to be that the processor spent the whole time maxed out. And um, <laughs> the RAM was hardly even used. This is on a Pi Zero? This is on a Pi Zero. Well, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, will yeah. definitely do that. My Pi 2 struggles and a Pi 0 would struggle even more. I haven't oh, used dude. my Pi 1 in a long time, which is supposedly the same CPU, but yeah, I can easily see how that CPU was just crunching it the whole time. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I still use the Pi 0 for like white hole, and I know that a 0 can be used to do things like create a MAME handheld, and I've used it for MAMES before. But it's definitely like a single-use dedicated device. Um, as for multi-boot, I don't really think it's worth it on the Zero. Um, oh, right, right. I, I really did give it the best possible setup using that external SSD, and it was still extremely slow. It's definitely not a desktop experience or anything like that. So 
find your niche for that Pi Zero and and use it that way. A camera, uh, a camera. Get the little yeah. camera, the little the little well, forty dollar camera, and the little five dollar case, and slap it all together, and you have a way better solution put using motion, motion on eye. There. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Way better solution than um, you know most most of the things you have to deal with it. Of course, it's not log into your Amazon dashboard and look at all eighteen right. of your cameras, but it's also your thing and it's private. And I had um, so apparently those things uh, like the um, the like name brand ones don't have local storage. They all do it over Wi-Fi. And uh, I had this one guy trying to sell me this stuff, which I mean it, it's fine. But he was telling me that there's um, that. The guys that, you know, porch pirates and things like that, they'll bring Wi-Fi jammers now. So you don't actually get the video feed of them stealing your stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't need any of this stuff. It's fine. My, uh, you know, I have, I have a camera that does all that. And he was talking about, oh, well, they'll use the Wi-Fi jammer to, uh, to stop. And I'm like, it's fine because there's local storage. And he yep. seemed surprised yep. by that. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I don't care. As long as the camera itself uh, or the board doesn't fry. I'll be able to get everything off of it. And even if it does, I'll slap the SD card and something else and steal all the video off of it. So well, it'll be all right. I've heard of, or I've read of people setting up the, the Pi Zero for like Octoprint or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't really have the processing power to do Octoprint and a camera at the same time. Oh, so uh, right, right. You oh, can't use yeah, Octoprint d- to its full abilities. But, yeah, uh, le- just one thing at a time. <laughs> If you're doing the, if you're watching the live feed from the camera, that will, that will max out its CPU I mean, oh, yeah. easily. Even at oh, like yeah. eight frames a second, it'll max out the CPU. So just set it, watch it, make sure it's, it's, uh, you know, behaving correctly on the motion sense. And then, you know, never, never look at it live again, unless you need to just for a few seconds. Uh, but other than that, just grab the little videos that it makes. And but that, it, that would it, just be. It's Good also enough. perfect for things like a white hole where it's got no real front end. It's got a web interface and then oh, you're yeah, just, yeah. you know, accessing it as needed and it's working in the background and do something relatively easy. Right. Yeah. What is what is recall box? Uh recall box is like RetroPie. Oh, super cool. Yeah. I, I like RetroPie a little bit better. It's a little bit more robust than recall box. I've been uh, I've played with uh, Batacera. I've I've gone to all the other ones. I've used all the other ones, but it well, seems like uh, Batacera, Batacera seems to be the best one. and RetroPie look exactly the same. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do Batacera on a laptop, which is yeah, why I same went here. I went Batacera uh, with that one. It's been fantastic, man. Uh, Bluetooth pairing of of devices is super easy. It couldn't be easier. It, it works exactly the way you expect it to. Yeah. Yeah, well, the next thing that I did was power up uh, the Pi 4 that I'd been using previously as a file server using SSHFS. It it hasn't been powered on in a while, so the update took a bit of time. And and the bottleneck was definitely the micro SD card for that one. I mean, there was nothing on the uh, processor and nowhere near the the RAM. I think it got up to like 55% maybe on the CPU. Yeah. Um, it, it did take a long time to update, but after that it ran fine. Um, I can't say I would want to use it as a daily driver, but it was distinctly usable, especially with the Netflix uh, fix on it, the Widevine fix, so that Netflix can be watched from it. 
It's an old fix. And I don't know if it's still needed on that one. Oh, and I do want to mention that when I first started doing this, uh, especially using the, the Pi Zero, I, I started out using Wi-Fi and then I switched over to wired after a couple of tests with the Pi 4. Because it gives you, well, you can actually try and use Pixie Boot if you're wired, but you can't do it over wireless. Are you were about to say something? Uh, yeah, I think the Netflix thing is totally dependent on the browser. Um, yeah. But I think Chromium doesn't come with it built in, right. which is what I think that's what you get on uh, Raspberry Pi OS. Oh, with the fixed one on Raspberry Pi OS, I thought you still had to either do the fix or get the specific version that had the wife the the Widevine fix added. Yeah, that's in. what I'm saying. Because you get what I, what I'm saying is you get Chromium with Raspberry Pi OS. I don't know whether it has the fix built into it or not. Uh, okay. I, mean, I don't. I don't. I've never done Netflix on a Pi. I've always had a laptop or a tablet or a phone or something or a TV to do it on. Yeah. So, so, it, so it just ne- it never occurs to me. Some of my notes here do talk about the uh, the Wi-Fi that I was using um, as well. And I'm, uh, okay. Um, and the next thing I did was I pulled that SD card and swapped it for another with Berry Boot installed. It came up right up to the Berry Boot screen. It, it's actually difficult to make comparisons to the Zero because the available 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi and, and the faster processor or being able to hook up, you know, an Ethernet. Needless to say, the install went pretty smooth and the downloads for the OS was pretty fast. Um, I wrote the OS to the SSD again and another thing that may have had a lot of impact would be USB throughput. But while I know I could have manually added images to this, the stock selection was pretty limited. I was actually kind of disappointed with Berry Boot in that regard and only included like basic distros. The other tab isn't there anymore. Uh, Nothing specialty like Libre or RetroArch, just the Raspberry Pi OS, Ubuntu, Manjaro, SUSE, and things like that. Um, But I was wrong the other day when I was talking to you, Leo, like one of the times I set this up, uh, Raspbian OS 64 was actually there. You were wrong? Yeah, it happens. It happens. (laughs) I freely admit that type of thing happens. Um, so yeah, for that one, I only installed Raspbian and, and that was just a test. The, the boot up was not instant and, uh, Barry boot was using a much older version of Raspbian for some reason, the, that hmm. time when I loaded it up, but we'll get into the issues that I, that, that ended up being the problem there. Um, but that was an extremely old version. I mean, it didn't even ask me to change the password. That's how oh, wow. old the version was. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Um, the updating took a while, but definitely not as long as the zero. Um, I thought I had ended up with a corrupted copy of Noobs when um, I tried it again. Also, looking online, even though the option is available to use the external drive, what everybody said is that it would install to the micro SD, supposedly. Um, and like I said, when I pulled the drive and hooked it up to another machine, I can still see all the different partitions on the external drive. So I'm assuming that it's just putting the root folders there. Um, so again and again on, on the Pi 4, Raspbian didn't want to work. Using noobs and a, and, and a micro SD card or the external drive, at least, you know, not with multi-boot. Um, the other OSs, some of them seemed to work fine and were snappy. Like I was able to get Libra Elect to load up. Um, and I did do the USB boot fix, um, that basically you installed the new firmware onto a micro SD card and 
you um what using the raspberry imager and that was extremely helpful raspberry imager and then you put it in turn it on screen turns green you turn it off you take it out you put in and you can just boot directly from um usb at that point uh, uh, but the um having done the usb boot fix i attempted several things and found out that the issue i was having getting new images to load Ended up being the USB 3.0 to SATA cable that I was using. No way. Yeah, dude. It was it, the it, cable the it, whole it, time? It, well, well, it was evidently that particular brand of cable. Because I have a whole bunch that were new in the box. And they were the Sovereigns. Like fresh pulled out of the box. Been sitting on my shelf for a little while. That's it. And um, evidently just some of them don't work all that well. So wow. I had to stop using that one. And that was like 16 hours of my life trying to load different images on there and get things to work and beating my head against it. Why is it working sometimes, but not other times? Why some OS is working more often than others? It was driving me absolutely insane. I thought I was going nuts. I was about to turn in my tech card and just, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. But it was <sighs> the cable. I but can't it was believe cable. it. Now, I did have to switch to a 2.0 cable, but it worked. So... I mean, two two is faster than zero point so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I wow. After I switched to the cable, I installed Ubuntu sixty four to test, and it worked fine. Um, slightly faster boot times with it, um, but I wanted to test multi boot, so I went back to noobs. Um, I installed the same OSs as I listed before, and and did the update for Raspbian. The bottleneck definitely not the CPU. Uh, pretty sure the bottleneck that time was the uh, USB 2.0 adapter, so read writes to drive. And once again, CPU never went over 55%, and the RAM was nowhere near used. Uh, it was a lot of updates that it go had to go through. Um, yeah. And this and is on your Pi 4, right? This is on the Pi 4. Yeah. And I mean, I, honestly, I think CPU-wise, I mean, unless you're really trying to use it for a daily driver desktop, the CPU right now, I think is at a fantastic point. And if we ever see a Raspberry Pi 5, um, I would be fine if they were like, ah, it's a slightly upgraded version of the CPU before. Yeah. I mean, that like 5%, 10% increase in speed. I'm happy with that. It's fine. The CPU is fantastic. I, I really want them to optimize gr just, you know, like video. Oh, yeah. So That's so it. you're you're looking at like using it as a, as a desktop replacement kind of thing i want that ability to be there not necessarily yeah. to you know do that but just for that ability to be there because there are a lot of people that would especially at that lower price point i mean yeah 80, yeah even if it you know an 80 dollar version of it people would really use that look here's what i want out of a raspberry pi uh i don't care which version i have to buy to get it uh i want the software to integrate in with either um, the Google Cast or Apple AirPlay so that I can send things to it. Because yeah. all of the apps on your phone or your tablet or whatever, they all support that stuff. So if we could just get a little receiver box for a Raspberry Pi that would just double up as one of those things. that I, I want that. If, if, if it exists, please tell me because I will go buy a Pi right now and make that work. Hmm. Now, um... I will say that it definitely seems to be worth it to do that uh, the USB uh, boot fix and then um, hooking up an external drive and doing it that way and then just, you know, 
getting rid of the micro SD card. It's faster. It's more stable. Um, you get more space for your dollar. And especially if you're planning on doing something like a multi-boot and multi-boot can be helpful, especially if you're going to have a desktop and then also do something like a RetroPie or recall box. Now, um, Raspberry Pi Imager, I, I mentioned that before, it's extremely useful. Um, it will give you those different um, USB boot or the different boot modes for the Pi and it will change the boot order without having to go through and um, install Raspbian and then manually go in and change the EEPROM thing like that. So you just put in the... You, you image it, you put it in, you turn it on, you wait 20 seconds, you turn it off, and you're good. Um, it also gives you the option of using an image file. So like uh, my previous build that I was using on there for SSHFS file server, I, I could take that micro SD card, put it into an adapter, put it into my main computer, um, create an image of the entire thing and then that onto a hard drive and use it that way or a thumbstick and use it that way and then expand the file system once i'm in there yeah i mean because even flash drives just beat the pants off of an sd card oh yeah a lot of times absolutely speed i have an a data um it's like an s102 i think is what it is that 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 particular model has been in production for forever i've watched it about a million times and the thing, you can write to it at like 70 or 80 megabytes per second, and the read speed is like 120 or 140. I mean, that's, that's hard drive level, better than hard drive level, because there's no seeking. I mean, right. it's fantastic. And putting a Raspberry Pi on that, that's its last little, as you were saying, it's its last little bottleneck. And so if you yeah. can get it on and one of those faster get... flash drives, it's fantastic. Right. And, and with your flash drives, you can get a lot more storage space than... Yeah. for a lot less money than you can with a uh, micro SD. I think the largest micro SD card I've seen in person is like 512. And those are, you know, expensive Yeah, compared I mean, to a thumbstick. Per gig, they're pretty close. But I mean, once you start getting into, I care about speed, I mean, the SD cards just can't match it like yeah. in any way whatsoever. You're just, you're not going to get those speeds on an SD card. I mean, it's meant for a 4K, you know, camera to just slowly trickle the video into the card that's what it's for but um you know we don't use them that way <laughs> we we use them for operating system things all kinds of weird random writes instead so that is really where it kills the performance yeah and um one thing it took me a little while to you know find out is with berry boot no longer including a good selection of oss for download um, um i don't know why they're not they're doing that any that way anymore um if you can get it from them, because they have a list on their website of all of the different ones that work for the different Raspberry Pis, and you can go in and download directly from them. What you can do is uh, dump that onto a USB stick, and then after Berry Boot screen comes up, you can add the uh, thumbstick into the, the Pi and pick the images from there and manually add them to your overall image. So you can add anything you want from there that they have listed there. But you can also use something like a, a program called Berry Converter to turn any image file into a SquashFS image file. 
and then add it to your setup. So you can literally manually add any OS that you want and Berry Boot will take care of that partitioning for you and setting it up as a multi-boot. That's super cool. I did try, you know, having um, two like USB connected drives just to see what would happen, both of them with an image, and then it just picks whichever one comes up first. So it's not like it gives you the choice to to multi-boot that way. Yeah, right. And, and then I also want to mention that I did switch from using the SSD to using just USB 3.0 thumbsticks because I liked one of the setups that I had ended up with on the uh, SSD. That's pretty cool. And the thumbsticks worked well enough. And I was also using a um, external powered hub. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, so certainly, I mean, if you can go SSD, do it. But I mean, flash drives will already out. Yeah. Most flash drives will already outperform SD cards. So, you know, uh, anything yeah. that's USB, go for it. I guess another thing to mention would be that, um, well, because it's the Pi 4, you need a really good power supply in the first place. But especially if you're going to do an external drive, a spinning disk, or an SSD, but especially if you're using like a spinning disk, which eats a bit of power, it's better to have like um, a, a high power um, port replicator as opposed to just, you know, a hub or a switch. So I did, I did actually have a port replicator, the, one of the ThinkPad ones. So that, that's got a bit of a brick of its own power supply. Yeah, I was going to say my my recommendation on that is just to get a powered hub, USB hub or something like that and run your hard drive through that. Well, that way you'll power the I mean you actually power the drive or the drive itself needs to be powered. Right. Um, most most of your powered hubs are sitting at like the uh 5 volt 2.5 amp range. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> and I mean I I kind of misspoke on that one. What I really mean is that the hard drive itself or the SSD if you can power it separately from right, the Raspberry yeah, Pi OS, yeah. do that. And I mean, because as, as far as I uh, understand, if you don't power it, you can, and the Raspberry Pi is not getting enough juice, you can end up with a bunch of data corruption because yeah. it doesn't have the power to actually write outs. the data. So you've got to be careful. Yeah, you got to be pretty careful, careful with that. But no, I, I took it a, a step beyond that. Instead of using a powered hub, I used a powered port replicator, which I, I believe has a 12 volt input. And then regulates it through the seven ports and then also has two display port outs. But those oh, are cool. with like display links. So I didn't have any of that set up or anything. And I wouldn't anyway because that way too much overhead and processor. But gotcha. that, it does provide audio as well. And that is extremely useful. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of audio, uh, on accident, I came across because uh, uh, just a minute ago I was talking about, you know, give me give me airplay. And, I, and what I was talking about was like video, you know, like YouTube, you've got uh, Google Cast or whatever, cr Chromecast thing, whatever. I want to be able to cast that to uh, a Pi to connect it up to a TV so I don't have to use the smart TV whatever stuff or have, uh, you know, a set-top box of some kind to, to handle that. I want a Pi to do that. Um, but there is kind of a solution for that, for audio. And it is single uh, Belena sound. So, okay, I, I, I came across this on accident. So I'm on an Archbox trying to um, image, a, uh, image an SD card. And I just want to do it easy, right? I don't want to have to DD and remember all the little switches that I need to use to make it right or whatever. I'll just shove it through one of these things. Um, 
And apparently Raspberry Pi, the little software for it, only works in Ubuntu. And so I'm not going to deal with that. Um, I don't think the imager itself was in the Arch repo, so whatever. Uh, so I was like, all right, what's the other one? The other one, what, what was it called? Uh, Etcher, that's right. So I go and get Etcher, and while I'm letting the SD card uh, install or you know get all the files on the SD card in it, there's a little ad for Belen Sound, and I'm reading about it. It's exactly what I was talking about just for audio. So whatever audio you're, you're playing on your device, you can AirPlay it or Spotify Connect it straight to a Raspberry Pi using a uh, high fidelity DAC or something like that. You could even use, you can use the built-in audio. Uh, it's not as good. So if you, you know, spend a bunch of money on speakers, you're not going to get the right quality out of it. But I mean, if you don't really care much about the quality, or you're just trying to make it loud or something like that, then I mean, using the built-in on your Raspberry Pi will work. But this is half of the solution. I just need this for video now too. Right. And oh man, I'll be so two, happy. Two, two things there. Um, one. I had an old project on on the show where I set I up you, a, a sound Mopity, server. Right? Yeah, Mopity, a Mopity server. Yeah. And that allowed me to cast or um, set up a file where you could, you know, store all your different songs that you wanted to use, including using like, um, what is it? Google's, um, wh where do they store audio? Google Audio or whatever it is. I can't remember. They've changed it like four times. They just yeah. recently killed off one, so I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. have no idea. Yeah. But um, the other thing there that I... So that was a good setup for that type of thing, just for the audio once again, not for video. But um, no, there's still this major problem, and that's why I wanted you know a video upgrade on the Pi 5 when it comes out, is that full screen YouTube plays like garbage. Oh, right, right. Well, one of these days we'll have exactly what I'm what I'm hoping for and I'll go throw a bunch of money at those people. <laughs> please, please do it. But um while I was looking at Belena Sound, I I realized that uh the group Belena, they do a bunch of stuff and this is one thing that I've been meaning to do and it's a Raspberry Pi frame. So this is I mean, you can hook it up to a TV if you wanted to, um, or a monitor or anything like that, and then just run like a dashboard. So I think having dashboards is like one of the most nerdy things that you could possibly do if you have a bunch of hardware or something like that running, and you'd like to just kind of take a, have a brief look at it every now and then, especially if uh, you have power issues where you're not sure if something's up or down until it tells you no. Um, this is a good way to kind of keep up with that. So. I'm actually very interested in this. I don't want to do so if you're if you're watching the live stream, you can kind of see they've got a, a little seven inch display or something like that uh, and all that. I don't need the kit. I'd like to just hook it up to a whole monitor or even a TV or something like that and just have stats because I'm a nerd like that. Uh, I think that would um, that would work. Um, so about the uh, about the flashing issue, Norbert said to use the uh, use disks, and I said I didn't want to use disks because uh, I didn't want to pull in a bunch of gnome dependencies. I was using Plasma, and Dale says Popsicle works very well. I wonder if Popsicle is in the Arch repo. If it was, I should have used it. But then I would not have seen Belena Sound, and then by extension Belena Dash. So these are two. Joe, we're gonna have to have another Pi Projects episode where I do Belena Sound and Belena Dash. Uh, just because they look like really cool projects, both of which I want. 
So what was just, blunted dash again? I uh, I missed it. I had to step away for a second. It, it could you could set it up as like a like a um what what do you call that thing? Like picture frame. You can set it up uh, to okay. where to just do images, but it supports GIFs and videos and all that stuff. Or you can set it up as a web front end, um, essentially just a dashboard for all of your hardware, all of your software, timekeeping, uh, all of that stuff. I mean, you could set it up to be kind of whatever you want it to be. And it's, um, it's GPU accelerated. So, I mean, I would imagine there's going to be some nice transitions and things like that. So, and you just hook it up to a TV or a computer monitor, or you can use the little seven inch display that they've got here uh, and build the whole thing. Mm. So Sounds fantastic, cool. man. I mean, it looks good to me. I'm I'm excited. I want to try it out. I, I don't know how well it'll work, but... Yeah, I think uh, we're going to have to hold off on another pie episode for a little while. It seems to chase everybody else away. <laughs> maybe. You know what? Maybe that's what it needs. It just needs to be Leo and Joe from here on out. Maybe. <laughs> so it, maybe. it's only going to be pie episodes. That's the, that's the trick. <laughs> That'll get boring after a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to run out of stuff. Uh, I, there's only so much. I think I've done most of the stuff I want to do. I just keep finding new things now. Yeah. But um, well, it, some of my projects would. And I, I'd want to start doing like hardware-based projects, and then they start costing money. Ah, uh, yeah. See, I don't have unlimited money. I have unlimited software capabilities because most of the software is open source. But I don't have unlimited money for unlimited hardware. Right. Yeah. Those little seven-inch screens can get expensive. Yeah, I mean, they're. I think they're sub one hundred. But I mean. You just have to keep buying them. Let me see. I think they had a little thing. Uh, display. Oh, any Raspberry Pi display will work. So they don't link one, though. I still got to set up a Pi Pico project. Yeah. I've got like you know, five honestly, of them sitting here. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'd be fun, too. But to the projects that I actually did. So I was talking about a while back that I set up a WireGuard server. It's still running. It's still fantastic. I still use it every time I'm more than 100 feet away from my house. And I couldn't be happier with it unless the Raspberry Pi performed as good as my actual VM that I'm running it off of. So it's running off of um, an ESXi server. It's, I mean, it's your standard VM. I think it's got two cores of an i5-3000 series uh, processor. So, I mean, it's got enough oomph to give me whatever my network card can support. So what I tried, and this is over Wi-Fi, mind you, um, my local, let me see. Uh, which, which, which Pi is this on? Uh, this is on a Pi 3B Plus. So okay. I'm, I want to try it again on the Pi 4 to see if I get any better numbers, but I'm happy with them the way that they are. So I, I'm not going to go away from the VM, spoiler, but um, it, it's good enough. I, I, if I had to, I'd be happy with it. So on my VM, so this isn't a Pi yet. So on the VM that I'm actually using, this is what I connect to every single time I leave the house. Um, I can get 140 megabits per second throughput to online sources. So I'm using fast.com to see how fast I can get through this VPN. And uh, 140 megabits seems to be the, the absolute speed that I can get off of this thing. Using Wi-Fi, by the way, on a phone. When I turn WireGuard on through that VM, uh, I get 45 megabits per second, which is, that's enough to do Netflix streaming, to do anything. I mean, that, that's enough. 40, 40 megs, I think, in general is enough, and 45 is what I was getting. So this so, is a VM and not Docker? 
this correct, correct. This is okay. uh, WireGuard installed on Ubuntu, which is in a VM on ESXi. Yeah, a little uh, little convoluted, yeah, but yeah. that's that's a setup. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. I mean, I'm happy with it. I probably won't change it unless the Pi Four is just fantastic. So, uh, on the Raspberry Pi, I spent some time getting it all set up. You know, doing all the generating keys stuff. So it's actually pretty simple to do. I did talk about it on. I did not talk about it on the original show. Um, but really, there's there's about three steps that you have to do. Uh, number one, generate your keys. And I've got a command in the show notes that will that will have you generate the public key and the private key, which you need. And then on the client, you'll generate another public and private key, and then you trade the public keys. And that's, I mean, if you can do SSH uh, with keys, you can handle WireGuard, or at least the key exchange of WireGuard. Um, the next step is uh, creating a WG0.conf, or you can name it whatever you want to. You just have to remember its name um, to add in your private key for the server, the uh, address of the server, the listening port, and IP tables rules that will help you do the masquerade stuff. Um, and then you add in a, a peer section, you add the public key of your client and the address that you want it to use. So that, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, half of that is copy paste and the other half is slight networking that you could probably just steal from somebody's how-to. You're going to have to test your speeds again hooked up to Ethernet instead of over Wi-Fi with the well, Pi. So I don't want to do that and let me tell you why. I'll never use it that way. I will never, ever, ever. Oh, 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 wait, 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 hang on. My pies are always hardwired. Okay, okay then. Yeah. Okay, right, 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 right. It's uh so yeah, so what I think you thought was that my pies were using Wi-Fi and doing WireGuard over Wi-Fi? Yeah. Ah, no. So my uh my phone was on Wi-Fi or LTE depending, I guess. And that's where these speeds are coming from. So I was able to get on the VM uh oh, I'm sorry, by itself no no uh uh no VPN. I was getting 140 meg. And then when I turned the VPN, I got 45 meg. When I was using the Raspberry Pi, uh, after setting it up, uh, I was getting, let's see, uh, 65 megabits uh, without and 30 megabits with. So, I mean, that was, that was pretty decent, though. Um, so anyway, so WireGuard speed, 30 megabits per second, which is a little slightly less than the VM at 45 megabits per second, which that's still usable. The, the, only, down th- oh, yeah. the only downside to that was, um, and it totally could have been my network at the time. It took a while for it to ramp up to 30 megabits. I'm not sure what that was. I did it a couple times. It behaved the same both times, but that was within like five minutes. So uh, it, it may be, I'll do some more testing and see. Yeah, but, in most I instances, mean, you're not going to notice the difference between 30 and 45. No, you're really not. I mean, especially if you're watching video, you know, even at 1080p, what is that? Like 15 megs is what you yeah. need for something like that. So, I mean, you'll be fine. It'll be absolutely fine. Plus, I mean, it does all the buffering and stuff, so it pre-caches all of it. I mean, you're good. You're, you're absolutely good with uh, 30, uh, 30 megabits per second. And that's what the Pi 3B Plus gave me. I suppose that the Pi 4 will do even better because uh, one of the downsides of the Pi 3B Plus is that while it is a one gig NIC, it's on the, the South Bridge. So it's sharing with USB and everything else. Now, I wasn't using USB, but I mean, I, I, I do wonder if that was part of the bottleneck because the CPU wasn't, you know, wasn't spiking or anything like that. Not hugely anyway, not, not at 100%. Yeah, so, it might have a gig nick, but you're limited to USB 2.0 speed. So I, I don't know what that comes out to. So 
whatever it was, I think the, the, the website and the hardware spec said 300 megabits per second is the effective speed of it. But I really don't think you can actually get that. Yeah. So uh, that may be probably like 250 or something. Yeah, that that actually may be what's going on uh, with that. So anyway, uh, the other little thing that you have to do when you're setting it up is in uh, Etsy syscontrol.conf. You have to turn on the IPv4 forwarding so that you can actually connect to things on your own network. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've got those notes in there if you if you care to look. Um, and then you bring it up with a wg-quickup, wg0, which is the name of your comp file. That's why you have to remember the name of your comp file. So sudo wg-quickup, wg0, and then just same thing but with down to turn it on and off. Uh, and you can use that to set up a, um, uh, what do you call that? A a service file so you can do system control and then you can enable it so it starts on boot that way uh it's always on and always um ready for you whenever even after a power outage as long as you get power back to it it'll it'll immediately be back up so long as all your network is available so really cool stuff i mean i thought that was fun uh, i i really enjoy wireguard uh it's fantastic that you don't have to do anything special on a raspberry pi i mean once you got it installed which is the same as installing it on ubuntu or debian it, the the setup is the same. Everything is the same. So using a Raspberry Pi for this project is is easy. It's fantastic. I love it. So if I didn't have a VM to run it on, uh, or a host to run a, a VM on, uh, this would easily be the right way to do it. Uh, so my other two, uh, I run fresh RSS off of my Pi Four, um, and it doesn't even make the Pi Four sweat. So fresh RSS is a web service that. Um, well, think of it like Feedly, right? I mean, any kind of RSS feed that you have, uh, it's like that, except it's presented to you on a web interface. So you can get to it from any device that can get to that web interface. Uh, and that's why I use WireGuard. So if I want to watch or read read all the news and stuff like that, all my RSS feeds, um, I, I, I just type in the name of my Raspberry Pi and it goes straight to it. Um, and all of my feeds are, are right there, actually. Um, let me see. If you're on the live stream, this is it. So it's super easy. I mean, let's see. Mark all those as red, and you can kind of see mainstream. Oh, I think I have to mark everything as red there, and then Linux will come back. Yeah. So you can just check out all of that stuff, and it's all day, every day. You have stuff floating in. This is how I stay on top of my news, and it's all run off of Pi 4. And uh, this is what is done in Docker, by the way. Um, so on a Pi 4, I installed Docker because you have to have two different pieces for it. You have to have fresh RSS and then you have to have a, a database uh, running behind it. But the write-up on Docker Hub is so well done that um, you can quite easily just steal their, uh, what is it, Docker Compose file, adjust it a little bit, and just never think about it ever again. So it is very nice dealing with all of this stuff, man. Uh, I, I can't say enough just how awesome fresh rss is i mean it's got a theme for dark mode i, I was complaining a while back that uh, i hated fresh rss because uh, it didn't have a dark mode i just didn't look hard enough <laughs> there there are like eight themes that it comes with and a dark mode is one of them and it's, it's perfect it's perfect now now the only thing i hate is when i click on a link on a phone and i'm in a really dark room uh it goes to a web page that is bright bright blindingly white so i have to like really quickly hit the um uh the screen the reader button so it'll go back to a dark mode but uh yeah i blame firefox not supporting that just yet but anyway 
uh, on a Pi, it works fantastic. I, I can't say how good it works enough. It's it's really, really good, really, really easy to do as well. The um, The other thing that I was doing that may have affected some of the speeds. I don't think it was because I wasn't using it at the time. But um, Git T. So on that same Pi 3B Plus, I was running Git T on it. And Git T is, think of GitHub, self-hosted, very simple, fewer features. So if, if really all you're trying to do is store some junk in GitHub so that you can easily get to your config files or your dot .files or whatever kind of file you want, this is it. This is the one. And you want to actually self-host it. Um, super easy to do on Ubuntu. I did get T uh, via the snap. It's like three steps. It's snap install git t, go into uh, var snap git t common conf app.ini, uh, change a couple of the values inside of there uh, for your setup, and then sudo git t admin create user, give it a name, give it a password, and uh, give it an email. Um, I just set the password to password because it will literally be in my bash history, and then I went into git t to change it. So, I mean, Kind of typical, right? I mean, for most users that get uh, a password assigned to them, that's it's typical for how it's done. Um, so yeah, just super duper easy. And then you'll you'll log in with your username or your email and that password. And at that point, you just treat it like any other Git service out there, and it's amazing. So I, I do have configuration files that, um, like my WireGuard configuration, uh, that it's in there, and it's super easy to pull back down. And, uh, you know, reset up just in case something blows up or something like that. So really good. Uh, I do mean to test out WireGuard on a Pi 2B Plus because I know there are tons of folks out there that got in early on the Raspberry Pi fervor, got, um, you know, Pi 1s and Pi 2s, uh, and they're just floating around, probably not doing a whole lot. Uh, so I want to do some testing on the Pi 4 and on the Pi 2B Plus just to see what kind of speeds I get on wire guard i mean just just for fun because why not yeah i don't think i have any two b's left i know i have a three sitting around somewhere and a one uh, yeah i was gonna say try it on a one i mean because one would be well, the most terrible and if you no, can get 10 megabits out of it it no. would still be amazing yeah but the whole thing is is that the hardware is almost exactly the same spec as the zero for the right. one uh -huh. so i'm probably just going to use a zero well, but a zero, you would have to use Wi-Fi. Yeah, or mm. a USB um, Ethernet adapter. Yeah, okay, okay. And yeah, because the, 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 the NIC on the Pi B1, or Pi 1, is uh, over the USB hub, or yeah. over the, yeah, so a USB bus. So I guess it would be the same, effectively, speed-wise. But um, I've got an actual uh, Pi 1. That's what so I like. I think I'll I'll probably just use that one because I've got open switch ports. <laughs> Mine says 1.2b. 1.2b. So it was the later revisions of the of that particular Pi One. Uh -huh. I'll have to go look. I don't know what mine is. I do know it's a one b something, but not exactly sure what. So anyway, WireGuard, fresh RSS, Git T. Uh, it's been fantastic. I mean, my Pi's they're still getting some use, and I gotta say uh, thanks again to Owen. Uh, he's the one that sent me the 3B plus, um, and it's it's doing work. It's doing work. I love it. Yeah, All I just right? tend so, not to keep mine in production for very long. I'll get a project, I'll get it set up on it, and I'll use it for a little while, and then I'll set up the same project on a PC that runs a whole lot better and does 15 other things at the same time. So I don't know. 
I had that problem until Git T and Fresh RSS started running amazingly, and I just didn't want to touch them because they're they're fine. They run amazing. So I think I'm just going to leave them. And probably with the Pi 4, I'm going to add more to it because Fresh RSS doesn't make it sweat either. So, I mean, why not, you know, just bring Git T in there too and some other things and kind of consolidate into one Pi. But um, yeah, just it, it it's amazing. Uh, they're, they're amazing little boxes for what they can actually do. Anyway, that'll do it for our Linux Innard. So we'll hop down to vibrations from the ether. All right, first one up is Brad. So um, he writes in, first, I love the switch in the dot zero section of the show. First, the news and security, and then the wanderings. I really like this change. So we haven't gotten a lot of feedback on uh, on after the change. We got some feedback before. Most of it was go ahead and do it. I don't mind. Um, one, I think we had a don't do it. But um, this is the first time we've heard a, uh, I prefer it this way. So thanks for that. I do appreciate that, Brad. He goes on uh, to say, second, regarding duck.com email, have you looked at Spam Gourmet? You tie a, uh, a Spam Gourmet address, say spoo at, uh, foo at spamgourmet.com to your real email address, say bar at yahoo.com. And this is foobar, the, the foobar thing. It's... <laughs> There's a lot yep. everywhere. Anyway, um, he goes on. Then from that time on, emails can be created on the fly. Like say you are buying something from Staples. Um, you can give them staples.5.foo at spamgourmet.com. The number five is the number of emails before that email address stops working. You can also on their website refill an individual email address up to 20. I don't know about email trackers or anything like that, but it has worked for me for many years. So yeah, the the tracking is one of the things I was looking for uh, in uh what, what was it duck.com so that was really cool but um it's kind of nice though to have uh time what is it time sensitive or use sensitive email addresses that way you just stop getting emails altogether from uh from a particular center that's really cool anyway so he uh he goes on uh speaking of raspberry pies i also delved back into the world of raspberry pies after many years i have a dell 2850 that i was primarily using for backup pc I recently expanded the pool on my true NAS and set up a one terabyte data set and migrated backup PC to a jail. The other things I was running on that box was ISC DHCP server and bind nine. So once I got backup PC working, I stood up a Pi model 3B for bind and DHCP server. I'm ready to turn off the server and save some bucks on electricity. Yeah, because we're going from like uh, 5,200 watts down to two watts. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yep. So I think that 3B, you can put more on it. I mean, just DNS and DHCP on that on uh, on that Pi 3, it won't even break a sweat. It won't even think about any of those things, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a good idea to put more stuff on it just for fun. Uh, write in more so we can have more to talk about on these uh, Pi episodes. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, Jeff said, although I never put in a SIM or memory, and he's talking about the uh, Pine phone that I currently have next to me um i have noticed that my nokia on at&t slash cricket is not hd voice compliant and the carriers refuse to allow me back on their network should i ever disconnect everyone seems to be requiring hd voice to connect or even reconnect so a big part of your eval 
might just be network policy acceptance, either due to HD voice or they just think it's some kind of bootleg device. Perhaps Ting Network or some obscure carrier might be needed. Wondering if PinePhone will be staying compliant for all carriers. Hope you're not stuck with just Wi-Fi. And then um, I responded, I have put m- put in memory, but I have not put in a SIM yet. Um, the operating system's on memory. I haven't used the EEPROM on it. And I have tried out Ubuntu Touch, and I'm going to be switching to Manjaro. Now, I am kind of disappointed in myself since over the last couple of weeks i have not been able to get to this thing for testing and i know i've mentioned it before but work has been absolutely crazy and i just have not had time to do hardly anything yeah i may um if i ever get my hands on this thing uh, and that's not a ticket you joe (laughs) i just don't know where i am in line but um if i ever get my hands on this thing what i think i'm going to end up doing is probably throwing 20 bucks at ting so i can get a sim and just see if the, uh, you know, how well phone works and if I can, you know, browse the web a little bit. Um, because as far as I know, I mean, they only charge you for what you use. So if I just do, you know, 20 megs of surfing and a few phone calls, it probably wouldn't be more than 10 bucks or so. So that would yeah. be cool though. Yeah. But I, you know, I do like, um, using devices as Wi-Fi devices. The only thing is, right. is that it's a little difficult with this one, um, in regards to, you know, there's no Google voice app for it right 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 i don't know how well the web application is going to uh interact with the uh microphone and speaker but it's something i will definitely have to find out right so uh highlander emailed before the show a little bit and uh it's kind of a it's an update to he had some issues with uh kali and nvidia but um he mentions once i figured out the roadblocks on how to install kali to the hard drive uh, the Kali.org install NVIDIA drivers on Kali Linux website helped him get uh, get all that figured out. And he said, um, I've been waiting for this for two years. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad you got NVIDIA working. I mean, this that that is the whole reason. That right there is the whole reason I tend to just avoid altogether NVIDIA. I mean, AMD is not the best video card on the market. But I don't have to fiddle with drivers. I don't have to choose a separate option when I'm trying to boot. I don't have to go and tinker with Nomad Set. I don't ever have to install any kind of driver whatsoever. If I need the latest and greatest, I just I, I install the latest Mesa. So I can either use a, a, a forward-thinking distro, uh, like some kind of Arch something or other, or I just add a, a PPA to Mesa. But at no time, no time during that whole entire setup did I ever have to worry about dealing with a broken video card in the first place. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway, so um, he does say, proof of concept, if you want to do a quick test to see if this is the case, just use the most recent disk image uh, from Kali. And then uh, he said he tried burning the ISO to a blank DVD. Uh, Anyway, he hadn't tried the fail-safe boot option while using USB, but it's reasonable to presume that it'll work. So, yeah, just mm, mm, miss me with the NVIDIA... Uh, cards, I probably won't ever buy them until somehow they integrate them into the kernel. So I don't have to use... Well, you know, the other option would be um, Nouveau being amazing. If, if if there's a threshold where Nouveau can just play a lot of the most recent games, then that's fine. But the amount of times I hear people talk about, oh, I didn't update and now my NVIDIA driver is broken. Why? Why? I, I just... I, I don't get it. So 
Anyway, AMD for me, and that's why. Anyway, that's it for the feedback. So let's check this out. All right. So a couple of things. Uh, so I guess August really is just release month for everybody. Um, Caden Live 20.08 is out. And it seems like uh, I mentioned before at the top of the show where uh, this is getting the rudimentary support for GPU rendering. Yes. Uh, on my 50, uh, 5800X, a, I guess it would be about an hour 20 video rendering took about 35 minutes. I think 28 to 35 minutes, somewhere in there. Uh, that's a, it's a long time. And it's fine because usually I'm done editing in the middle of the night. And by the time I press render, I'm just going to bed. So the time doesn't really bother me at all. But it would be nice to be able to use the hardware that I know is capable of doing rendering way better than an eight-core CPU. Uh, you know, it'd just be nice to use that instead. And the other thing, I've been playing around with uh, logo work, and I've been using Krita. And, you know, for the vectors, right? So I could blow it up to a, a gajillion pixels by a gajillion pixels, and it still looks good. Um, but Krita 5 beta is out. So it looks like I'm going to have to re refigure out uh, a little bit of the workflow because there are some things that are changing and I might have to redo some of the things. I think, um, so some Creta th 3 things won't work in Creta 5 and some Creta 4 things won't convert to Creta 5. So I'll have to play that one by ear. But I'm excited uh, for Creta 5 to come out just simply because uh, I know I'll be able to sit on Creta 5 and not change my workflow any uh, throughout its lifetime. And... I can figure out whether or not I suck at making logos. Uh, that's probably true. Uh, it's just wishful thinking, really. But uh, <laughs> I can I can try. I'll try anyway. So anyway, some really cool K software uh, out. Really cool stuff. Yeah, I need to get back into using Caden Live. It's good. Uh, I don't. I mean, the one thing that I have seen that Caden Live really kind of chokes on is exporting to a sixty frame video, sixty frame per second. It seems to not enjoy that i get audio stuttering in it mm. uh at the end of the render and it's different every time you render it so i don't know exactly what it is that is broken but something is broken and i'm hoping uh i, I was on uh, a not 20.0 or 20.08 i was on a recent or a, a later version than that or an earlier version man uh, words sometimes um yeah an older version Maybe they fixed that in the newest version, so I'm going to update and see. But, um, oh, yeah, one of the things that I forgot about it is that uh, Flatpak seems to be the most stable way to get it, even though it's the same software. So if you get it in app image or you install it via the deb, um, if you do fades, which I do, uh, it they said that there was like a pink and green, like it'll flash pink and green during the fade. Uh, no. <laughs> but apparently the Flatpak does not have that problem. I don't know why that would even slightly be the case, but that's a thing. So anyway, so maybe they figured out the 60 frames per second thing in the new version. Hopefully they did. I'll find out. I'll, I'll let you know. Um, just because I like Caden Live. It's really good. I've, I've kind of gotten a really awesome workflow down uh, for Caden, and I'm getting that way with Krita. It's a good thing that I hadn't been playing with Krita too long. Uh, before 5 is starting to come out uh, so I don't have to unlearn a bunch of stuff. 
Either way, that's it for the show. So we got some announcements. Our normal announcements are uh, next episode. So this here thing is going to be September 5th, 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time. And our next Saturday show is going to be August 28th, 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time. So if if you want to come swing in and you've got a decent mic, join us on that Saturday show, and we'll just have a big old powwow, talk about whatever we want to talk about, and just hang out for a bit. Yeah, sorry Uh, we missed out on last Saturday's show. Everybody was busy doing other things, and no one was available. Yeah, that last show was my daughter's birthday. So, yeah, couldn't do it. And then, uh, Joe, it sounded like you were just getting hit with work from all sides, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I I was swamped. It was a Saturday, and I was still swamped. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Actually, next Saturday, I might be out on a hike. So, I don't know if I'm going to make that one. I um, should be there. But uh, as for the regular show, everybody, email us. Uh, send us messages on Discord, send us messages in Telegram, give us ideas on what you want for the show because we, we, we sometimes are having problems figuring out what we want to bring I, I for think, the next episode. I think life has been getting in the way more now. Yeah, it's that time these past of year. couple of months. Yeah, than, than any other time. So yeah, brains get used a whole uh, a whole lot less for other things than work yeah so. and it's hard for me to find projects a lot of that is is, is time constraints but uh i, Look, I man, do we need just need to do projects. an sftp episode and we'll be good to go we already did an sftp uh scp episode no we need to do it again do it again <laughs> <laughs> you know uh setting up WireGuard would be fun Actually, I would uh, love for you guys to do an episode on setting up WireGuard and walk through all the steps and what needs to be done. That would be a great episode. It is way easier. But the thing about those particular episodes is that... Way easier than it used to be. It would have to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the thing about it, though, is that like showing the router stuff is different for everybody. So no one will right. ever be able to get it done. Right. You know, because some people's routers support that thing. Some people's don't. It's in different spots called something different. It's a nightmare to to get that kind of thing figured out. The Ubuntu stuff, same every single time. But port forwarding, oh boy. Oh right. Boy. Always no, fun to shot. try and do. He asked if I just betrayed cinnamon. I didn't. I'm still on, uh, I'm, I'm using Arch for Linux user space and Plasma on it. So I'm getting familiar with Plasma. But uh, Caden Live and Krita are both run under Cinnamon, and very fantastically, by the way. So, nope, not yet. Yeah, well, when you have 16 abandoned. computers at the house, it's almost uh, guaranteed one of them is going to be running Linux Mint. E- oh, yeah. Actually, all of them run Linux Mint. Some of them just happen to run other things, too. Yeah. All right. So, anyway, um, that's it. That'll do it. So, Joe, where can we find more of you outside of here? You can catch me on a couple other podcasts. I'm on the Linux Link Tech Show, which uh, you can find at tllts.org. I'm also on the Linux Lugcast, which is at linuxlugcast.com. We recently started doing um, tech sci-fi movie style reviews. I think it's pretty interesting. Last time we talked about um, The Last Starfighter and um, how it's a good example of some early CGI. Uh, you can find me on MeWe. I haven't been on MeWe as much lately. Or you can send me an email directly, jb at mincast.org. Pretty cool. 
And then Bo, not here this time, but undercastnetwork.com, or you can get him at uh, Undercast Collective on YouTube, as well as uh, Crowbar Colonel Panic. Tony Hughes, out sick this time, but you can get him at HPR Host ID 338, Twitter Tony H1212, TH at Mincast.org, or DistroHoppers Digest at gmail.com. Josh Hawk is out, but Josh on Tech at Mincast.org, Josh on Tech on Twitter, and pretty much everywhere else. And then uh, Crowbar Colonel Panic as well. Mike getting hit by a hurricane. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> Mike at Mintcast.org and Grouchy M on Discord. Taking in the me, face from Henry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. As for me, LeoChavis.org and at LeoChavis on Twitter, at Leo at C.im on Mastodon, LinuxUserspace.show, or, you know, buy me a coffee. But before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Owen Peary for our audio editing. Josh Lowe for all his work on the website. Hobstar for our logo. InitRD for the animated Discord logo. And Londoner for our time sync. Bitemark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org and our Mumble server. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. And, of course, the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every fortnight. Thanks, Thanks Clem. Clem. And Cole. This has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music. And thanks for listening to this episode of The New I'll, I'll take that whole pot, the whole, like, pot's worth of coffee into one of my giant mugs and, and throw in some protein powder, throw in some almond milk, throw in some sweetener, and uh, mix it up with the, the hand mixer real good, and then, you know, drink a whole pot's worth of death wish coffee oh yeah i used to have death wish uh when i was still going to work and oh man one cup and that was that was enough yeah that i drained was enough I, I drained the pot that's a lot of caffeine that's that's way t- I, I get jittery after about cup d- three honestly, of normal it, coffee it, do- it doesn't even like nudge my heart rate oh wow yeah no i mean i'm like i'm like 80 beats per minute the whole time <laughs> <laughs> Sitting down, trying to relax. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, it's too much.